0: Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb. And I'm Joe McCormick. And today I thought maybe we should start off with a little uh, Don't Do What Donnie Don't Does. All right. Tell me. Tell us about Donnie Don't. Okay. So let's uh, let, let's see what Donnie Don't is doing and see if maybe we should don't do what he does. Uh, spot, try and spot the don'ts. So okay. Donnie Don't, is, he's cooking up a big old mess of French fries in his deep fryer. And he eats all the fries while watching RoboCop 3. And then it's time to clean up. So first of all, he realizes he is greasy all over from eating this big batch of fries. So he gives himself a good wipe down with some wet wipes. And then he flushes them down the toilet. Now it's time to get rid of the gallon of duck fat that he used to cook his fries. So what does he do? He pours it straight down the drain in the bathtub. Now, I think most of us can easily, I don't know about all of us because somebody's obviously uh, doing what Donnie Don't does, but I think most of us can easily spot the uh, the Donnie Don'ts here. He's made several errors. By now, I think it's pretty common knowledge that you are not supposed to flush wet wipes and other non-toilet paper products uh, down the toilet, and you're definitely not supposed to pour fat down the drain.
1: Yeah, I mean, there are some other things that he's doing you could potentially criticize. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't I don't know how, how often he's eating. Uh, french fries that are, have been fried in duck fat. Uh-huh. Uh, like if he's doing that too often, that's probably uh, not great for his health. But, you know, once in a while, why not, right? Uh, RoboCop 3, I have no problem with that. It may not be the strongest <laughs> of the RoboCop movies, but it's, uh, it has it's like cyber ninjas in it. That's kind of cool. But yeah, it's the, it's the wet wipes and then pouring that grease down the drain. And it's the pouring the grease down the drain, I often forget that that is a key rule
0: Oh, because, do you do you break this one? No,
1: I, I I just am generally not in a position to break it because we just don't we don't cook with with fat, uh, much in any uh, at all anymore. And uh, and then as far as wet wipes go, I, like I I know not to put wet wipes down though.
0: Really, no oils in your house? No salad dressing? No like uh, no olive oil or anything? But not duck fat. Oh well, I mean it, of course other like non animal fats mm-hmm. are still like fats and oils. Yeah, yeah.
1: But I, I guess what I'm thinking, like I, I remember. Um, so
0: I shouldn't have said just duck fat. I mean, uh-huh. the, the, you're not supposed to pour oil or lipids of any yeah. kind down a drain. But, but,
1: but specifically, like the, um, uh, you know, like a big fry vat kind of drainage situation. Uh-huh. Like I, I, I remember uh, seeing you know, jars of. of of fat and oil, like underneath the sink. Oh yeah, uh, growing up because like that was you know the appropriate thing to do.
0: Oh, that's a grandma's house kind of thing, like yeah. the big old mason jar of bacon grease under the sink.
1: Right, and then of course when whenever we go, if you go to a, a fast food restaurant or even just a, a restaurant in general, mm-hmm. you're going to find that big grease trap outside. Like sometimes it's a little bit hidden, but sometimes there's no place to hide it,
0: uh, right. <laughs> and it's just right up front. It's just there in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember one of my uh, jobs that I worked at when I was in college, every morning when I'd go into it, I'd have to park in the parking lot of a restaurant that was like next to where I worked. And I I parked right next to their big – it was like a burger and fries place. And I Uh parked next to their big uh, grease grease depository. uh, And it just looked like the saddest robot from some Star Wars spinoff. Uh-huh. Like Lithuanian Star Wars has a R four, uh, you know D seven, and it's this big black thing with a with like a, this dripping sad uh, grease tears stained head. But of course, that's that's restaurant usage, Jim, and we can I think we can all understand like
1: that. I mean, there are certain rules and regulations they're they're following, and they're also producing just a a ton of this uh, this material. Uh, I wonder if like the problem with a household situation is either you're creating so little. You don't think about it, so it's like hmm. death by a thousand cuts, right? Right. Or in, when you do produce uh, a, a more sizable amount, uh, doing you know some sort of a frying scenario, like you just suddenly have this this huge mess to clean up, and it's easy to just convince yourself, uh, I'm just going to do the easy thing, right? I'm just going to go and put it down the sink, and, and next time I'll do better, right? Who's going to know? Yeah.
0: But maybe we should step back and ask a question. I mean, which, it's not like well, Robocop is going to show at your house, right? <laughs> right. So that's what they do in RoboCop 2, right? They reprogram him so instead of fighting crime, he goes out and he uh he pursues uh minor infractions. Yeah, like yeah. minor infractions, littering and stuff like that mm-hmm. and people using swear words, I think. <laughs> uh, so we should ask this question of wait a minute, why are you not supposed to do these things? Why are you not supposed to pour oil and fat and grease down the drain. Well, one reason you're not supposed to do this has to do with the way sewers work. Sewers are, I say with no hesitation, one of the greatest human inventions. And if you doubt this, listen to our invention episodes on the toilet or listen to, uh, uh, we we did an episode of Stuff to Blow Your Mind about the miasma theory of disease. And in, in all of these, we talk about how you know properly maintained sanitary sewer facilities are are not not just there to make our homes and our streets more pleasant like they play a crucial role in protecting public health and preventing outbreaks of diseases especially fecal oral route diseases which are as gross as they sound diseases like cholera Uh, Sewers work when everything flows smoothly to its destination point at a treatment facility, and uh, they're one of the best innovations in the history of civilization. I I say that – no qualifications at all. But sometimes things get in the way like tree roots can intrude on sewer pipes and block flow. We live here in Atlanta where there are a lot of trees and a lot of a lot of old large trees and places that are intersecting with sewer pipes. And so this we know about this happening a lot. Uh, and of course they they can cause turbulence and this can lead to buildup or you can have old decaying sewer mains that crack and do similar stuff. And sometimes blockages in these sewer uh, sewer pipes occur from the inside out. One of the most awe-inspiring things that can block a sewer is what we're going to be talking about today. It's something that has in recent years come to be known as a fatberg. According to an article I was reading uh, by Kelly Oaks in New Scientist from earlier this year, uh, this term was apparently coined in 2008, but it became widely popular after news reports about a huge fatberg in 2013. And what it refers to is a giant solidified mass of stuff based on fats and oils that gestates in the heart of a sewer system, feeding on things like wet wipes and Floss and other trash, but especially on fats and the byproducts of fats, like cooking oils, uh, you know, uh, grease from cooking animals, all that stuff that uh, that people wash down the drain when they just either dump out oils they cook with, or just when they wash their dishes, and the oils that are already on the dishes come come off and go down the down the tubes.
1: Yeah, and I understand that the, the like the the wet wipes, the floss, all of that can can sort of serve as a substrate, right? It's yeah. like a a scaffolding on which this uh, this new uh, uh, mass will form. Yeah, and
0: we'll talk about how it forms in a little bit. Uh, but uh, I wanted to talk about the terminology because while fatbergs has really caught on with the public, this is like what – I, I think the reason that there have been so many articles in recent years about fatbergs is just because of the term fatbergs. Mm-hmm. Like there was now this beautiful, attractive terminology for it. Whereas previously, especially in the U.S., I think they were referred to primarily with the acronym FOGS for fat oil oil and grease or frogs for fat roots as in tree roots and oil and grease but they really missed an opportunity there to dug to dub them
1: forgs <laughs> instead of frogs. Uh-huh. Same letters, but it would have scratched more of a chud itch, you know? And yeah. I think maybe it would have resonated a little more. Maybe not as much as fatbergs ultimately did, but, I mean, a, attack of the forgs, right. beware the forgs. Uh,
0: I, I feel like that could have resonated with, uh, with the public. If there is not already a movie about one of these things becoming sentient, there will be soon. <laughs> uh, but one particularly massive fatberg that we might linger on for a bit uh, has been covered extensively especially in the British press. This was the Whitechapel burg. It was removed in 2017 and uh, it was a mass blocking the sewer under the uh, under Whitechapel Road in East London. I think this was Jack the Ripper's neighborhood. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um I think that adds to the appeal of the the, the Whitechapel. Berg and it sounds even more sinister exactly and the Berg itself in a way was sort of a white chapel it's like this uh, this unholy thing this sort of a gray off-white color and uh, so it was about uh, 250 meters long or about 820 feet and it weighed probably about 130 tons. This monster was so magnificent that a piece of it was broken off and displayed in a special exhibit in the Museum of London. And I came across a gorgeous, absolutely haunting description of this sewage fatberg fragment by Sam Knight in The New Yorker. And this this description of the fatberg was so moving that I have to quote from it. Are you ready, Robert? Let's have it. The piece of Fatberg was slightly smaller than a loaf of bread, and looked like it might have come from the moon. It was putty-colored and marked everywhere with geological-looking indentations, including a cluster of fingerprints from when it was removed from a sewer in East London last October, and lifted through a manhole. On the surface, there was also a dark fragment from an autumn leaf, which must have slipped down the drains into its maw. Emerging through the congealed, calcified fat was the purple An orange perforated edge of a double-decker chocolate bar wrapper. Every detail of the hideous object was starkly visible because it was resting on a bed of black granules under a spotlight in a glass box at the Museum of London at the opening of its new exhibition, Fatberg. (laughs) I stared at it for a while, and while I did so, a tiny dark speck on the Fatberg became animate and started to move. A fly the size of a pinhead flew up and battered against the glass.
1: That's pretty great because it, he captures this sense of it almost being alive, uh-huh. and uh, and and also this this haunting feeling that it is like our sins uh, may you know manifest it into a physical form. Uh-huh. Like here is. And you know, all your recklessness and your uh, <laughs> your, your willingness to f- to flush inappropriate things down the toilet. Well, here it is uh, all together uh, to confront you and to to point its uh, grotesque finger
0: at you. Yeah, I hope this description of the fatberg gets nominated for like a Pulitzer Prize. That's uh, <laughs> it's powerful stuff. Uh, but the the 2017 Whitechapel Berg that uh, I mentioned a minute ago was by no means the only fatberg. Fatbergs form. All the time in cities all around the world due to people flushing and washing fats and other inappropriate stuff down the drain. Uh, According to Knight's article, it's estimated that London alone has at least five large fatbergs at any given time. So sometimes, you know, they go down there to fight them, but there are always new ones forming. Uh, So let's talk about size. They can become so huge. Let me restate what I said a minute ago. This Whitechapel beast was 250 meters long, which is approximately the length of the Hindenburg. (laughs) And it weighed probably about 130 tons or heavier by about a third than the biggest ever sauropod dinosaurs.
1: And of course it makes sense because we're talking about a massive sewage system. We're talking about massive consumption, Mm -hmm. uh, a massive population and therefore the uh, the clog uh, the thing is going to be massive as well
0: well yeah and also you want to consider the particulars of the london sewer system because this is where a lot of these stories come from the london sewer system you know it's it's got victorian elements in it it Mm -hmm. was a sewer system built over a hundred years ago uh you know back in victorian times as a response to the great stink you know that we've talked about (laughs) on uh on the show before where the you know sewage being discharged into the Thames one year in the I believe it was the eighteen fifties or sixties sometime in the middle of the nineteenth century it got so foul and it stank so bad that Parliament was just you know about to puke in their uh, in their deliberation chambers and so they eventually did something about it and that was to get this sewage system uh, not only because of the smell but also because it was you know the sewage system that they had in place at the time which consisted of more like open and sewers in the streets, the stuff draining into the Thames, which uh, then people would drink out of. <laughs> so it was just leading to the cholera outbreaks and terrible public health conditions and these horrible stinks. So they created this massive sewer system under the ground in order to take away all of the wastewater and discharge it away from the city. So you've got these like in some cases very large, like old, elaborate and, some, and sometimes kind of beautiful brick-built sewage channels and, you know, access tunnels and all this. Uh, so, so you've got old facilities. But you might be wondering, OK, so one of these giant beasts, you, you've got a Hindenburg of fat and sewage and waste stuck in the sewer blocking, blocking things, preventing them from flowing. What do you do about it?
1: Well, that's the question. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we will answer it.
0: Okay, we're back. So we're talking about fatbergs. How do you fight them? You got one of these giant concrete fat conglomerations made out of (laughs) uh, wet wipes and, and dental floss and old, you know, wrappers of food and bits of plastic and, of course, all of these fats and oils and grease and sewage and waste. It just makes this huge mass that blocks up the sewers. What do you do about it? Well... You literally have sewer workers that go down to break it up and remove it. Uh, the the city sewer workers in London are known as flushers and they have to fight these wicked villains. They have to go down and confront the Balrog in person. <laughs> uh, and in uh, Knight's article in The New Yorker, he, he talks about the, the process of breaking up the Whitechapel mass – so first of all, he says they've got to wear protection and they've got to have a breathing apparatus because this thing is in a way alive. It's got a lot of uh, life feeding on it. And as a result, it can let out sudden explosions of gas like hydrogen sulfide, which of course smells like rotten eggs. And is the uh, it's a common gas released as a byproduct of decaying organic matter. But it also releases methane and sometimes it can just blast out carbon monoxide, which can be deadly. So let's say you're outfitting your D and D adventure, the Flusher class, to go down into this dungeon and fight the monster. What uh, weapons do you want to equip them with? Well, probably not fire. Fire would seem like a bad idea. Oh yeah, that's yeah. uh, and and unfortunately, they are not a magic-using class, so they <laughs> they don't have any spells available to them. I don't know. Is that a thing in D and D? There's some classes who can't do spells, right?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, there, it seems like there, there are a lot of classes that have some sort of magical abilities, especially as they level up. But, uh, yeah, this sounds more like, uh, like fighter, um, uh, material right here. You need somebody to go down and physically fight this physical threat and remove it. These
0: are paladins. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Oh, yes, okay. Oh, I, mean,
1: I... You, I mean, paladins have some, some, you know, they have holy powers, et cetera. But a oh, lot I'm of those holy powers are about like, in, you know, increasing their physical prowess, right? Okay. Um, Sorry. Apparently, I don't know my
0: stuff. Sorry. <laughs> okay, we'll say they're paladins anyway. Uh, what, so, the Mighty Flushers' weapons include the bomb hose that's a term, bomb hose which is just like a high-pressure water jet that should be able to cut through blockages. It's like a cutting jet. Uh, but apparently, uh, according to Knight's article, even this didn't work all that well on the hardened mass of the Whitechapelberg. Uh, and so later on, these these warriors had to use more old-fashioned implements like pickaxes, shovels, and he says in one case, even a saw. Ugh. When uh, pieces were removed and kept for the London Museum exhibit, one expert who handled them described the Fatberg chunks as sort of hard but light, feeling like pumice stone. I hmm. thought that was interesting. interesting. Yeah but uh, even the smaller ones so so that one's gigantic but even the smaller ones are still huge in disgusting ways uh, i found a brilliantly funny article with a great title on uh, atlas obscura by uh, jessica lee hester from january of this year it's called seven big things that're smaller than this fatberg <laughs> and it uh, refers to another british fatberg one found in a sewer beneath the town in uh, beneath the town in devon and according to the water utility in that area, it was the largest fatberg that they had come across in that area. It was about 210 feet or about 65 meters. Uh, and so so what are the things she lists as smaller than this fatberg, at least in terms of dimensions? I don't think they had weight on it at the time she was writing. Mm-hmm. Um, so smaller in terms of length was the above-water surface height of the iceberg that sunk the Titanic. <laughs> the tallest known ginkgo tree in the world... The Christ the Redeemer statue in Rio de Janeiro, uh, the Coney Island or the Coney Islands Wonder Wheel, uh, the Statue of Liberty, <laughs> the Roman Colosseum, and uh, Nelson's Column in Trafalgar Square—all smaller than this Fatberg which is not even the largest fatberg by a long shot. And she also pointed out something in, in her article that was just an interesting phrasing of things. It sort of echoed thoughts I'd been having as I was reading about fatbergs. In, uh, in Hester's words, quote, The chunky, gunky sewer cloggers are murky mirrors into the behaviors of people above ground because they hold all the stuff we flush and try to forget about, including cooking grease, napkins, floss, menstrual products, which don't belong in the pipes in the first place. Uh, So it's this idea of like these are sort of the the places of all the things that we want to just get out of our lives. It's, you know, the purging of convenience all becomes this mass.
1: Yeah. And again, it, kind of, it confronts us once more. Uh, the, the horror is even greater because it is oh, – it it's, it's congealed into this this massive form.
0: And I think maybe that is part of the – like the psychological reason why people can't look away. Like why was there a museum exhibit about these things where everybody wanted to go see them? Mm-hmm. It's this fascinating, uh, you know, almost kind of Freudian feeling kind of thing like the, the suppressed part of our culture and civilization. It's what's shoved down and covered up and not looked at. Uh, almost uh, out of a sense of shame and it becomes this stuff.
1: And in a lot of our modern life is about uh, distancing ourselves from the reality of our waste, uh, from the reality of our dead uh, mm-hmm. Things of this nature, so uh, so yeah, I think it it definitely speaks to us on that level.
0: Okay, maybe we should turn to the question of how, like, how do simple bits of cooking oil and other fat turn into these mighty slumbering beasts, the, right. the monsters of the dungeon? Because it could seem almost magical, right? That it's, yeah. it's
1: it's it's like this thing has become alive down there. It is like one of these, uh, you know, th- there are multiple, uh, uh, you know, I think horror properties where. Uh, some sort of garbage monster comes alive mm-hmm. uh, and it basically fulfills the same purpose we're talking about here to confront us and to uh, you know to, to show us the horrors of our um, of, of, of our uh, you know disposable society. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but there is a very – the process that's happening here is not magical. It is uh, – you know, we, we can we can look at what is happening chemically.
0: Yeah. Uh, so obviously there's one extremely simple way. There are multiple ways here. But there's one extremely simple way that fat can end up blocking sewer pipes and that's by congealing. Like if you ever cooked bacon, cooked bacon in a pan, what happens? Well, the white solid fat in the bacon in the animal flesh renders. It turns into a fluid that runs around in the pan like water and And it flows, so you can pour it out, etc. You can pour it down the drain. But that's only because it's hot. If you take that bacon grease and you leave it out at room temperature, you put it in the fridge, we all know what happens, right? It turns into a kind of waxy solid. And this is lard, right? Yeah, I guess the curing process of bacon doesn't change that. Yeah, so it's pork fat either way. Uh, And now, not all fats – congeal into solids or semi-solids at room temperature, but plenty do. So if you melt this fat and then pour it down the sink into cold pipes and wash it away, the cooling fat forms a solid or semi-solid mass that can build up. It can coat surfaces and so forth and can, of course, block sewer pipes. So that that that's like the simple version. That's just right. one way fat can clog up your sewers. That one reason you don't want to put it down there.
1: Right. And and I think we can all grasp that even if if you've ever washed dishes
0: before, you can get a, a sense of how how what's happening. Here. Exactly. But this is actually not the main piece of chemistry contributing to fatbergs. Uh the truth is actually weirder. Often the fats that we wash down the drain essentially becomes soap. Huh. Uh, the chemical process is known as saponification. Uh, this word comes from the Latin sapo, meaning soap. And once a mass of fat gets washed down the drain, it chemically breaks down into fatty acids. And these fatty acids undergo a chemical reaction in the alkaline environment of the sewer combining with other elements and compounds, often calcium, to form this calcified soap-like deposit. And of course, as we all know, soap can be pretty solid. Like you you don't want to get whacked with a bar of soap in the bottom of a sock. But it gets even worse because <laughs> calcified fatbergs build up a, a, a real kind of rigidity like the, the workers who have to cut them out sometimes compare them to concrete by the time you have to go in and break them up uh, and uh, I don't know exactly what leads to all that, it might be the, this forming of a solid mass and then like the sort of compacting of time, uh, you know, thing pressure just forcing it together uh, but these the soap-like masses tend to form around solid pieces of trash that get flushed down the toilet so that's the other major component we mentioned earlier, like uh, wet wire are by far the worst offender here. This is in you know, all the British press about this is just saying like don't wash fats and oils down the drain and don't flush wet wipes. don't flush wet wipes. Wet wipes are like the uh, the most hated thing by mm-hmm. the sewer workers. And that's, of course, because, you know, they're not designed industrially the way like toilet paper is, which is made to break up when it's in this uh, aqueous environment. The wet wipes tend to not break up. They stick together and they form a sort of uh, binding or substrate for this nightmare soap of the deep on its way to becoming a berg. I mean
1: it makes me think of the, of the, the science stories we've covered about uh, – uh, uh, creating artificial say ears, where you have some sort of a uh, scaffolding uh, on which you're gonna you're gonna build up like the you know the collagen mm-hmm. and create this artificial uh, piece of flesh. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that process
0: taking place in a foul sewer. But imagine that process is taking place where stuff just keeps flowing into it, so it just mm-hmm. keeps getting more solid material like wet wipes and more like binding soap like fat structure. Until it becomes an ear the size of the Hindenburg. (laughs) Uh, Another contributor to the fatbergs in the London sewers, and not just the London sewers, in other places, but especially in London sewers, is old rough brick surfaces. Uh, I'm not positive, but I think the mechanism here is that rough surfaces create more friction with the flowing water, and this causes turbulence. Instead of flowing smoothly, the water or the, you know, the sewage, it gets sort of churned up, and this interrupts the smooth flow, and it gives uh, – and, and so it causes buildup of solid matter. But also I think the rough surfaces just sort of give the wet wipes and other trash little crags to catch on.
1: And then, of course, once they catch on, other things can catch on to them, and it just builds up from there.
0: Yeah. And and also, so these soap-like masses are not water-soluble, meaning they're not dissolved by water. So they're not going to, over time, just like break up and wash away with the flow of the sewer water. They just sit there, and <laughs> they build up, and they grow tumescent with new waste and trash and layers of soapy solids made out of fat until somebody finally goes down there to slay the dragon. And uh, as we discussed, of course... Uh, the battles of the flushers you have to you physically break these things up and remove them
1: yeah again with things like pickaxes and saws because uh, it is almost like concrete. Yeah. You know, it's not just this big, uh, you know, gross sewer jelly that you just need to sort of, uh, you know, flush a little bit more, you know, just spray with water and you'll get it
0: done. A plunger is not going to do it. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Now, in some cases, I I do think these like water jet hoses can be used to cut it up. They just, uh, at least in the one case I was reading about, they weren't quite doing the job Mm -hmm. and they had to resort to the old ways. Also, I just wanted to do a little uh, side note on saponification because what's happening here in the sewers is not exactly the same as, but it's somewhat analogous to uh, something that I'm very interested in that occasionally happens to human bodies in certain burial conditions. Uh, Robert, have you been to the the Mütter Museum in Philadelphia? I haven't. I've never visited uh, Philly. Yeah, yeah, I'm long overdue. I haven't been, but I've wanted to for a long time. So they've got an exhibit uh, or a I don't know about an exhibit. They've got a a thing at the Mutter Museum that is a human body. Uh, It's known as the Soap Lady. And do you know the soap lady? No, but I'm already horrified
1: because I, <laughs> I know enough about the Mütter Museum uh, to know that uh, a soap lady there is going to be a
0: sight to behold. I think they've got a soap lady and a soap man. I've primarily read about the soap lady. So okay, original... they,
1: those two should meet.
0: Yeah, exactly. So it was originally believed that she was a woman who'd uh, lived in Philadelphia in the 18th century and had died of yellow fever sometime in the 1790s. But in 1986, they did some x-rays of the, the body of the soap lady. And uh, this revealed that she was wearing clothes with like buttons and pins that weren't manufactured in the US until around the 1830s. So it's now believed that she must have died later than was originally believed. But whenever she died in 1875, her body was exhumed from a local cemetery and it was discovered that the corpse was encased almost entirely in a solid soap-like substance. And that she she was essentially a soap mummy. If you look at pictures of her, she looks like a mummy. She looks like some of these uh, like, uh, you know, sort of uh, dried, mummified, preserved corpses that you might find in the case of some of like the Andean mummies. Um, Except that she has – except that like her features are less – uh, defined, and she's got a bunch of extra stuff around the outside of her body, like almost like she's encased in some kind of uh, concrete or something. But it's not concrete. This substance in reality is something kind of like soap. It's not exactly soap, but it's something known as adipocere, also sometimes referred to as corpse wax or grave wax. Now, I do think
1: I remember reading about this uh, like years and years past in some Know, texts on um, decomposition.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there there's some interesting stories about the role of grave wax in uh, in like so one one thing that corpse wax does when it forms around a body is that it can help preserve some of the elements within, um, and this like keeps corpses from decaying like they would normally. So the formation of adipocere, I do believe is it's chemically considered a form of saponification, like what's happening with the fatbergs in the sewers. So adipocere is this waxy substance that sometimes forms around dead bodies as they decay, particularly in certain kinds of burial conditions. Uh, and these environments tend to be alkaline, you know, like the, the opposite of acidic. They tend to be anaerobic, meaning without access to air, and they tend to be warm and moist. Uh, which are just, you know, that generally sounds like the Kind of environments you don't want to bury bodies, but mm-hmm. you know some soil is like that.
1: And I'm and I'm guessing at least some of these are going to match up with with sewer scenarios. I know we've talked before about some of the um, the organisms that can grow in a sewer environment uh, that really um, thrive in a in a like a low oxygen environment.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, so freshly formed adipocere can be kind of soft and waxy, but older adipocere can more closely resemble something like concrete. I was reading a. live science article about this by win perry and the author uh, quotes an anthropologist from north carolina state university named ann ross and she says quote a lot of people say it's greasy i always think of it like a thick cottage cheese consistency because it's kind of lumpy also so maybe not the the grave wax or the grave
1: soap but the grave cottage cheese cottage cheese of the dead the corpse cheese yes All right, well, on on that grotesque note, let's take one more break. And when we come back, uh, we have some other Fatberg facts uh, to roll through. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll talk just a little bit about um, about, uh, sewer monster movies at the end of the episode.
0: All right, we're back. Okay, so... Quite clearly, uh, these things – you don't want fatbergs in your sewers and yet they form in sewers under cities all over the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's happening all the time because of this combination of like stuff that people shouldn't flush. And fats and oils going down the drain, uh, which I guess is both variations of the same thing. You know, stuff that you shouldn't put down the drain is going down the drain. Uh, and uh, in the article I mentioned earlier in New Scientist, Kelly Oakes uh, refers to a University College Dublin professor named Tom Curran. Who, is, uh, who works in this field and uh, he says that the major factors contributing to a sort of recent increase in Fatberg incidents in London are of course like uh, larger populations in cities so it's just more people washing more stuff down drains. Mm-hmm. Aging sewers yep. contribute a lot. One factor is more dining out at restaurants because it appears that restaurants are responsible for a huge amount of the, the fats and oils that go down the drain.
1: You know, I would have thought it would be more regulated with the restaurants. Uh,
0: apparently it's uh, in the UK, at least, it is not as regulated as some people think it should be. Right? I don't know if that's changed recently. In the articles I was reading from the past couple of years, it's uh, I, I think th- there's a problem with like last a lack of specificity in regulations. Uh-huh. Like there are regulations that say restaurants aren't supposed to wash anything down the drain that would be harmful to the sewer system, but like it doesn't specifically say don't wash fats and oils down the drain.
1: Okay. Hmm. Okay.
0: And then the other big thing is, of course, trash that goes down the drain. But there's, you know, as we've already said, there's like one huge culprit here that's like 99% of the problem, and it's wet wipes.
1: It just seems like that one would be an easier one to knock. It seems like that would be something we could solve. It's like if you use a wet wipe, no matter what you used it for, no matter how befouled it is, just put it in a garbage can. (laughs) Like maybe maybe it's easier – uh, I mean, because you, you go to some, you know, you travel to, you know, to certain, you know, parts of the world where the, the, the sewer system can't even handle toilet paper mm-hmm. and you get used to it, you know, like at first it may seem a little weird, like, oh, you know, I, I must wipe and then put the toilet paper into a receptacle. Uh, and, you know, it, it runs against what you've been doing, but you get used to it and it becomes
0: the new normal. I didn't even know that was a thing.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you travel um, and, it, and it just depends on the on the sewage system, mm-hmm. Uh and uh, yeah, some just can't handle the the, the paper, um, so uh, you know it's 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 asking even less. I feel to say, look, just you, you have a wet wipe. I know you just used it on some disgusting part
0: of, of like a two year old's uh, body, but you know it's, like, just put it in the garbage. Uh, apparently, so I was reading in this same article that you know there are there are things that have proved effective, and it's essentially regulating the stuff we're talking about. Mm-hmm. It's like regulating what restaurants can put down the drain and putting grease traps in place and all that, uh, but then also doing like public education campaigns to get people to not put anything in the toilet other than human waste and toilet paper. And the, this has been effective in like Dublin already, uh, but it's it hasn't been effective enough everywhere. And, and it, I wonder if the problem is that – I mean I would hope – that in a campaign
1: against Fatberg, somebody has created, uh, with practical effects and costuming, an anthropomorphic Fatberg creature, <laughs> you know? Or even like a, you know, like thinking about, I, mean, I know we both love uh, good, like paranormal cop exploitation films from years past, uh-huh. like Maniac Cop and so forth. And there was that cool trailer for, what was it, Melt Cop or something?
0: <laughs> Melt Cop,
1: yeah. yeah. Like they could make Fatberg Cop. And so Fatberg Cop is this like, uh, you know, anthropomorphic fatberg in a police uniform uh, that, that comes to your apartment or your restaurant and chastises you
0: for your uh, you know destructive ways. Fatberg cop versus fluke man, <laughs> yeah. is the, the next big crossover hit. Oh yeah, or their their buddy. It's a buddy cop.
1: Oh yeah. yeah. Wait, this is
0: making Berg's the hero. <laughs> You're doing it backwards. Well, no,
1: the Fatberg, in the same way that the Fatberg confronts us, okay. Fatberg becomes the hero. Like he's a cop made out of Fatberg. <laughs> Raising
0: consciousness about the need to destroy his own kind. Well, no, it's not.
1: You know, <laughs> he's like, uh, it, 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 he doesn't want to be in Fatberg form. You know, maybe, <laughs> I don't know, maybe he was previously human. I don't know. Maybe oh, he just took on human consciousness. Maybe it's kind of a, you know, a swamp thing, swamp man uh, kind of a scenario. Yeah.
0: Why don't they look? (laughs) Uh, But, I mean, it it can be hard to get people to behave, you know? It's like it's just usually pretty easy to get away with flushing and draining things you shouldn't because who's going to catch you? Something that is momentarily your problem is now just gone. It's Mm -hmm. purged. And it becomes instead like a small part of a big problem that is everybody's problem. It's not your problem right now. right?
1: And, of course, this – I mean, there's so many other things – Uh, in the world that can fall under this category.
0: This is the tragedy of the commons. I mean, it's, you know, people have shared common resources that they all need. The biggest one probably is like the natural environment. Right. It's, you know, supposed to be something that is uh, of common access to everyone. But in fact, there are individual actors who overexploit and foul and cause damage to this common resource that should be shared by everybody because it's momentarily convenient for them and they can get away with it. Uh, It's one of the most crucial flaws in human psychology, that we exploit common resources this way. And in that way, I I do think we should think about sewers as a type of commons, just like we would think about like the oceans, the rivers, the air, the environment. Sewers Mm -hmm. are a common shared resource among all the people who use them and should be treated as such. Yeah,
1: even though it's definitely that kind of thing where we don't want to think about it and we try not to think
0: about it unless it's broken. Right. Well, apparently when the London Museum was running this Fatberg exhibit, it had a plaque on the wall that read as follows. The size and foulness of fatbergs makes them impossible to ignore and reminds us of our failings. Oh, that they do. It seems like something that should be inscribed over like the, I don't know, over over the door of like a Puritan church from the 1700s. But I, I should also point out, I was reading that uh, at this same museum exhibit, they sold something called Fatberg fudge. I guess oh. this was in the museum cafe or something. I mean, I should something. have
1: known they'd have to have something like in the cafe or the gift uh-huh. shop to
0: line up with it. Yeah. Literally a sweet treat modeled on a Fatberg brick with raisins to represent flies. Oh,
1: you know i uh, mentioned earlier uh, you know that of course london isn't the only city to have to deal with this uh, obviously there are other large metropolitan areas uh, that uh, that are plagued by fatbergs and i was reading uh, a Nat geo article uh, titled huge blobs of fat and trash are filling the world's sewers by erica ingelhop and uh, this was a really nice article as well uh, if i remember correctly the 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 lead uh, said that, uh, you know, in, in one part of the city, someone flushes a wet wipe. In another part of the city, someone flushes some oil. Mm-hmm. When those two meet, a baby fatberg is born. <laughs> um, so I, I applaud uh, the the, the, uh, the writing in this article. Uh, but um, uh, Engelhop points out that in New York City, uh, according to the city's 2016 State of the Sewers report, grease causes 71% of sewer backups in mm-hmm. the city. Yeah. Uh, and then, and, and as a and as a result, uh, New York City spends eighteen million spend eighteen million dollars over a five year period fighting fatbergs. But even in smaller U.S. cities, uh, you can see um, you know the, the local government having to blow like half a million dollars a year to battle these buildups. And uh, another interesting thing that Engelhop uh, pointed out though was that um, there was a particular uh, River Thames uh, project with uh, Argent Energy. Uh, to potentially harvest fatbergs and turn them into renewable fuel, and this is pretty sensible if you think about it. I mean, all that oil going down the drains—you uh, know—it should be going somewhere else, uh, such as in the case of restaurants into grease traps, um, which are and, and sometimes grease traps are, are pilfered for this very reason because their contents are valuable in a sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and and there are also parts of the world where. Um, you know essentially sewer oil is is reclaimed and sort of sold on the black market as yeah. you know kind of like
0: sewer oil but um, I think this has been done with some of the British fatbergs. I don't think all of them. I'm I'm not sure. But yeah, I think at some point some of them have become biofuel.
1: Yeah, I mean, and, and it's, it seems like a logical alternative to the typical fates for a fatberg, which are, I mean, if, it, if except for the rare pieces that go to the museum to yeah. become art, uh, you know, other stuff it's either being hauled off to a landfill or it's broken up so as to better diffuse into the sewer system. Um, so yeah, it, to whatever extent you could. I mean, obviously, you want to prevent the fat fatberg to begin with. You don't want to have to, to toil with it. Um, you know, even if you get to the point where you could send a robot down to battle the fat it's you still got to, you know, haul it up uh, and, and all, and then potentially haul it off to a landfill. But if it could be turned into fuel, if it could, you know— uh, uh, power the DeLoreans of the future, then, uh-huh. uh, then that sounds like the way to go.
0: Well, I do think it is a good idea to turn these things, as long as they are still being made, into fuel. But don't don't get distracted by that as like an excuse to, oh, okay, so it's not so bad if we keep making them because <laughs> they turn into fuel, right?
1: Right. I mean, because they, again, the sewer systems are not made for fatbergs. Like if you, I guess if you reach a situation where you're like, look, we refuse to learn. We're not going to stop Uh, flushing oil and uh, and wet wipes, then, okay, you could conceivably imagine a scenario where the sewer systems have to be redesigned in order to, um, you know, sequester fatbergs for harvesting. But they're not built like that, and they're probably not going to be rebuilt like that. And it's ultimately an easier prospect to just change how we're handling the things that we're
0: sending down into the sewer. This is going to become some crackpot political party's uh, energy platform. And they're saying, oh, all this talk about, you know, green energy. What you do is you pour oil down the drain all day. And our energy problems are solved. I'm not super
1: up on uh, British politics. Is there a Fatburg party yet? <laughs> I know that the new parties get, get formed uh, here
0: and there. Uh, I, I haven't can, heard about it, but... Yeah. Uh, I'm sure I mean like all issues, especially issues in fact that have to do with uh, people exploiting or ruining the commons for everybody. These issues often do get like politically polarized because yeah. it's advantageous for somebody to do that.
1: And this is why we need Fatberg cop, you know, <laughs> out there on the beat in the in the you know, at least in the the eyes of the public uh in the messaging, uh you know, confronting us, chastising us for our ways. Um and and I but and I mean that seriously because I think like for my part like one of the reasons that uh, the other reasons that fatbergs are so um, captivating, mm-hmm. uh, in addition to all the grotesque photos and footage that shows up, I saw one article it was like a video uh, based article online mm. uh, that it, the title was something along the lines of the moment when a rat crawls out of the fatberg, and that was apparently <laughs> oh, the footage of a, like a live rat squirming out of fatberg. Um, you know, so so we can't look away from the grotesque nature of them. But then also, you the, the sewers are this unique location where uh, there have been a number of notable films over the years that populate the sewers with monsters. Yeah, be it uh, you know chuds or uh, or uh, you know or or, or cannibals uh, mm-hmm. as in uh, the British uh, f- film Raw Meat. Well, I guess that was a subway
0: system, but uh, still uh, an underground stuff environment. Stuff in Ghostbusters 2, I think. Yeah,
1: the river of slime flowing under New York City. That's uh-huh. a big one for me. Uh, but also uh, definitely uh, The Blob, at least the 1988 remake, had uh-huh. a lot of like, uh, you know, under – I think there was like these yeah, sewer system shenanigans there with The Blob, uh, you know, ripping through the sewer and attacking people. Yeah, de- and it definitely came up through the drains. So it's it, – it, I feel like the, the the Fatberg reminds us of these monstrosities as well, except they're, they're not fantasy. They're real. Uh, you know, they just don't
0: actually assault us. try to digest us well I feel like some of these especially Ghostbusters 2 yeah it does bring in some of that same metaphor stuff we were talking about earlier about Mm -hmm. uh, you know like it it's all the bad things we don't want to think about and all the negative energy that that is what was feeding the slime in Ghostbusters 2 right (laughs) it was like Prince Vigo and just New Yorkers being jerks that's kind of weird for a sequel to a
1: movie in which um, uh, an EPA representative was a villain yeah Uh but uh, there you go It was a different time.
0: (laughs) Ghostbusters, a bravely pro-littering movie.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, there you have it. Uh, Fatbergs uh, for you. Now, obviously, if anyone out there has direct experience with Fatbergs or any other strange monstrosities in our sewer systems, let us know. I feel like just you know thinking about the sheer number of listeners and just all the you know the diverse backgrounds uh, that you all have somebody out there has had to have battled the fat bird
0: we've got a firsthand flusher in the audience I know it yeah it's
1: just a matter of uh, of getting you to write in and tell us about it uh, so you know if so do write in and tell us about it and also just if there's an some sort of sewer monster movie that uh, we failed to reference, uh, yeah, hit us up uh, on that as well. We're always happy to chat about movies. And hey, if you're, if you're an artist, maybe you can create uh, an image of Fatbird Cop uh, because I feel like you'd be not only amusing us and amusing other listeners, you would potentially be um, uh, you know, saving the world by uh, introducing this character. In the meantime, if you want to check out more episodes of Stuff to Blow Your Mind, head on over to stufftoblowyourmind.com. That's where you'll find them all. You'll also find out links to social media accounts, uh, as well as a link to our t-shirt store. But ultimately, the best thing you can do to... Uh, support the show is to just make sure you, you rate and review us wherever you have the power to do so
0: wherever you get this podcast huge thanks as always to our excellent audio producer Tari Harrison if you would like to get in touch with us directly with feedback about this episode or any other to tell us about your battles with the Fatberg to suggest a topic for the future to suggest a guest or just to say hello you can email us at contact at stuff to blow your